I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works, and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. Today, I'm talking about pricing challenges or what's in the way of being paid what you're worth. Well, first, you have to actually charge what you're worth. You know, people don't jump up and down and go, oh, wait a minute, you didn't charge me enough. Let me give you some more money. Okay, that's not going to happen, right? We all agree that's that's not it, not happening. But you need to know people will pay you what you ask for, okay? But you have to say it. You have to own it. You have to step into it fully in order for that to happen. This is when we're talking about the mindset of charging what you're worth and feeling your value and being able to talk about this stuff, okay? The problem is not the clients won't pay you, it's you not asking for it, actually, okay? And not owning it, not feeling solid with it yet. So let's get into that a little bit. Let's let's explore that and see where it goes, okay? The number one reason I see designers not getting paid what they're worth is that they're uncomfortable about talking about money. It's hard to ask for money for something that's so outrageously expensive that it's totally out of your world. I mean, it feels really weird. As much fun as it is to excel expensive stuff, it is challenging because it's scary and it's risky and you don't know where you're going with it. So it's it's kind of uncomfortable. But when it comes to asking to be paid, paid your, for you, asking for a large amount of money for you, say $36,000 plus design fee, changes the whole game. It's like, oh, wait a minute, that's that's a tough thing to do, okay? And I want to acknowledge that. It is, it is. However, you can learn how to do it. You can learn how to get through those obstacles so that you can do this in a way where you comfortably and gracefully ask for what you need to do a job, and people go, yeah, that's great. We're happy with it, okay? So what what happens here is that many designers are are so uncomfortable with, with calling out a fee and talking about money that they don't do it at the moment that you really should do it. There's a moment when you, in a conversation that's live, when it should happen, when it is most likely that they're going to hire you, because that's the moment to say it. What's happening is designers are letting that slide by because it's a little scary to say that number out loud, and I don't know, and I'm unsure, and you know, okay. And they go back, and they get behind behind their computer, and they write this big letter of agreement, and they send it to the client, and then they wonder what happened. Okay, email is not a very consistent form of communication, I will tell you, because we run on email. Sometimes people get it, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get it, they open it, going, oh, I'll look at that later. And then six things happen, the phone rings, three texts, the kids have to do something, and, and it's totally out of mind, and they've lost it. And then you're sitting there going... Why haven't they returned it? Why haven't they talked about it? Why haven't they said anything? 
okay? <laughs> it's because you, you try to stealth it in, and stealthing it in really doesn't work. You really do have to talk about it. Okay. Because, you know, in my, in my world, if you want this job, it's worth presenting in person. Put it that way. And in person could be on Zoom in person, right? But, but the problem is when you send out a letter of agreement, A, you've, you've lost the moment in the conversation where it's most logical to hire you. Okay. There's a peak point there where, you know, that's the time and it's most likely to happen and you let that slide by. Now you're kind of sliding down the mountain. You send this thing out and they read it and there are pieces in there they don't quite understand or don't under, you know, what, what does that mean? And, because the questions aren't answered immediately, because you're not presenting it live, then those questions turn into objections. They get kind of solidified because they develop an opinion about what that's about. And then once that happens and the objections are not met because they haven't talked to you about it, they literally get negative and, and don't do anything. Okay. And you lost it. Okay. And it was lost because you weren't there to talk about it, to talk about the money. Okay. So when you get in that spot, you know, if, if you want the job, present it in person. Okay. Go all the way through it. You've got to get yourself through that point where you're getting scared and backing down. Okay. We've all been there. We've all done it. Right. So don't beat yourself up, but acknowledge the fact that you get to a point in this sales conversation because that's what it is. We got to admit that it can be graceful and, and gracious and all of those things. And it should be for, for, you know, cause that's who our clients are, but it's still a sales conversation. Okay. And to deny that or, or pretend like it's not is silly. Okay. So you want to get square with that part. You want to get square. The other back door that designers take, <laughs> other than, you know, sending that proposal out over email because they don't want to say the number and it, you know, they're chickening out, all right? You can't check it out here. You, if you're going to move up market, if you want to have a really successful business and get published and, and do these big jobs and work with this high-end material that's so much fun and beautiful and that, you got to get through this piece. You got to step up and hold your value and be able to to do this. Okay. Sometimes the other back door that designers use in this spot is to make themselves in the letter agreement so cheap that of course somebody will say yes, couple, couple hours worth of time, little, little bit of deposit, right? <laughs> Easy peasy to say yes to. Well, the problem with that is that the client doesn't understand that there's more there and the client doesn't have enough skin in the game. Okay. And by that is, is you want them to put, give you enough money up front that they're going to listen to you and pay attention to what you say. Okay. If it's just a little bit, they can afford to ignore it. Let's slide. Oh, we'll see what she says. I'll do what you do. You know, that's when you get in those, those situations where people are sending you stuff and let's say, well, couldn't we do this? It's cheaper. You kind of, that kind of stuff. That's what's happening in that situation is you didn't go in high enough to establish your value. And now they're just mucking around and, and, you know, you're chasing cats and, and we know how hard that is and <laughs> not what you want to do. All right. So this, this in person piece is really important. Okay, you really need to step up and own that. Okay, now this challenge often often starts up when you first say to your client, what's your budget? 
And, and what do they say? I don't know. Or any version of that. I'm sure there's at least 20 different versions of that. And you've all heard every single one of them. I know I've heard them at least a hundred times each, right? It's, it's, it's essentially what that conversation goes. But the problem is most designers stop there because the client can't tell them the budget or it's ridiculous or whatever, whatever the, the situation is rather than go deeper at that point and really get into a conversation about money. They're too uncomfortable with it and they'll just back off and would rather guess what the client level is by looking at the way they dress and the car and the, and the furniture in their house and where they live and what the address is and all that stuff. I used to do it. I know. I know. But you know what? You're usually not right. Okay. And when you do that job based on that and you go to present it, they very often will faint and fall on the floor over the price. Just big drama. Oh my God. Well, I got to tell you, the time to talk about money is not when you've got the design done. The time to talk about money is way before that. Okay. So that you get that piece out of the way. So you can design to a number. They know what they're going to spend. And you're just talking about getting this beautiful and functional and gorgeous for them. Okay. It's a different, a different mindset. You got to get the money thing out of there because when you're presenting, this is not the time to be looking at the product and go, Oh, can we get that cheaper? Okay. You know, th- <laughs> that will destroy your design. Can't photograph it. Takes your profit. Da da da. That's because it's not set up right in the very beginning. And we'd really, really like to avoid that situation because those kinds of situations is where you're not getting paid what you're worth. Okay. You're getting strung out. You're, you're using up time that you're not getting paid for. It goes on and on and on. Well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. All right. So, so guessing somebody's budget, however long you've been in the business and think that you're good at it, is not a good idea because it often results in do-overs that generally you spend twice as much time because you got to go back and research all the product over at less expense. I mean, you make half as much on the job because of that. Okay. That's not getting paid what you're worth. That's getting squeezed because you're not talking about money up front and not setting it up to begin with. Okay, that's what's happening around here. Now, okay, we're going to say that that clients struggle with money conversations too. All right, that's because you know you you can see that when when you ask them what the budget is and they say I don't know. Right? Well, they do know, or they have an idea, or they don't want to tell you. You know all the all the different things. If I like it, I'll buy it. You know all the all the silly BS things that come out of there. But that's about their discomfort with talking about money. So it's your job as a leader in this project, and you are the leader of the project, you got to take that on right from the beginning, this leadership role, is to help them be comfortable talking about money. Okay? Now, how do you get there? Well, you got to work on yourself first. Okay? We will acknowledge right from the get-go that there's a lot of weird energy around money about who has it, who doesn't, is there enough, who's got, you know, on and on and on. Okay. From every level in every direction, it's, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of weird energy. Okay. We'll just leave that there. All right. Acknowledge the fact that that is there. However, mostly when we struggle with being able to talk about money, it is likely that when you were little, a little kid, you overheard a conversation that might have been confrontational or angry or, 
or upsetting about money. I mean, in, in a way that, you know, as a little kid, when you hear things like that, you try to make meaning out of them and figure out what, what's going on. And very often the meaning you make out of that is it's not safe to talk about money. It causes controversy. It causes anger. It causes, you know, explosions. It, co- you know, it, it depends on what, what you, what you overheard as a child. And, and those things get lodged in your subconscious. Okay. It's not a conscious thing. Okay. You're going to have to dig for this one. But in your subconscious, since you were a little kid, as a rule of, of being safe in the world. Okay. And that's not talking about money. Now that's a good, pretty good rule for a little kid. It's not a good rule for a grown person running a business. Okay. You can't have a successful business without talking about money. All right. So, so how do we get through that? Well, we want to first of all recognize that these money stories that we build as children are, you know, it, it's okay. You know, you were a little kid, but you want to make sure that you're still not running on a rule or a belief that you developed when you were five years old. And that's likely what's happening because that's lodged in your subconscious and your subconscious directs 95% of your actions. How about that? Okay. Your subconscious mind directs 95% of your actions. So you can have great intentions to do this, but this underlying piece that's been under there for a long time goes, oh, no, 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 that's not safe. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. And you messed it again. Okay. So how do we get past that? Well, it would be really good to take a look at what it was that started it in the first place. Okay. You may have to get quiet. You may do a little journaling. Think about it. Think about those pieces and what really happened back then that, that started this idea of not being, being safe and comfortable to talk about money. Because when you can find it, when you can recall something out of when you were a little kid that happened that was kind of traumatic or or dramatic enough that you remember it, right? You can take a look at that and look at it from the child's point of view. You know, well, it's not safe to talk about money. I don't want to do that because I don't want my dad to be upset or my mom to yell or something like that. We, we can look at it from that view and then say, well, that's the kid view of that. And that was good. It saved you a of trouble when you were that age. However, what's the adult view of that? Okay. The fact that they got into tussles over money don't actually have anything to do with today. And it doesn't mean that if I talk to money with in my family that it's going to happen, or it doesn't mean that if I talk about money with a client, that's going to happen. Okay. With our logical mind, we can see that. Okay. So we want to change that, that belief. And, you know, a belief is just a habit that's happened a whole bunch of times and it gets solidified into a belief. So, you know, to, to undo the belief, we just create a new habit and just keep doing it over and over again. And eventually it just dissolves and we're in a new place. So that all can happen. Um, that is a really good thing to work on. If you can't get in touch with that and, and your own old money stories and that sort of thing, it might be good to talk to a professional, a psychologist or, you know, someone in that field that could help you with that. Because when you can eliminate pieces like this and get them out of the way, it clears the way for your success. Okay. And I will tell you, I've done it many times. I bump up against a wall going, okay, I'm stuck on this. I can't seem to get through this. I need a little help. I need somebody else's input, you know, and three or four meetings later, I'm good. All right. I got through that. Cool. 
Thank you. Okay, and then I can move on to the I can move on to the next one that gets in my way. <laughs> but the idea is to keep clearing this stuff out so that you can do what you need to do, so that you can get through that moment where you need to say that number. My my fee will be thirty seven thousand. You know, and I will take care of everything, and it's going to be gorgeous. Uh, that's the piece that we need to get through. That's the point that you're after. Now. Once you can get to that point and realize what that is and reframe it a little bit so you realize that the childhood belief about talking about money isn't really useful anymore and that talking money would be a really good thing, all right, so we decide that, then you want to practice it. And you do that by having conscious conversations about money within your own family, okay? And by by the meaning saying conscious conversation, that you bring it up, you set the context for it, and you stay in this calm frame of mind where we can just talk about this money, how we're going to do that. I mean, it, you, you could choose something like how you're going to figure out a budget for a trip. You want to go to Europe next year, and you know, what's that going to cost, and how or where's that going to come from? Are we going to save that? When are we going to pay for that? In, in those contexts, because it isn't, it isn't about not enough or too much or, or what you spent or I spent. I mean, there's none of that in there. It's just arranging these numbers so that it works. Once you do that a bit, and I encourage you to do it with your family first. Okay, because A, it's easier. Okay. And B, you're teaching your kids how to do it. All right. It's something different than what you learned, which is a good, a good thing. So they don't have to struggle with this. Okay. And then once you've done that a bit, that, that feeling of when you go to talk about money and you hit the fight, flight, freeze thing where you go, ah, I can't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not saying it. I'll go back. All right. You'll be able to step through it because you've had conscious conversations about money that had no, no conflict in them, no, no blow ups, nothing going on, just simply a conversation about this could be this and that could be that. Okay. Right. And that's all. You're going to back to pass the salt, right? No emotion in it. Just, just what it is. Okay. So, you know, you got to remember that, that when you say, what's your budget? Your client hears something like, how much money do you have? Right. I am convinced that's what happens because you can see the look on their face and the, I don't know. And they back up and it's like, now what am I going to do? Okay. And you know, that is their discomfort about talking about money. Okay. And again, I want to point out that you are the leader in this conversation, in this design piece. This is about you. Okay. And what you can do for them and how that all works. Okay. So you have to step up and make a comfortable space to talk about money for them. Okay. You need to be able to, to have all that programming information in order to do this job. And in order to do so, you've got to get them to be in a comfortable spot talking about money and what things should be. Okay. Now, not after you designed it all, but right now in the very beginning. Okay. So the trick to this. Okay, just a little bit of a shift. And that's about getting the clients to talk about what stuff costs. Stuff, not you, not anything, but stuff. What does a sofa cost? What does a rug cost? What's a cocktail cup cost? What do window treatments cost? What, you know, they're going to look to you somewhat, but, but you need to have some of those numbers at your fingertips and you should. You are the professional. We use cheat sheets. Okay. Just a clue there <laughs> because you're the pro. You're the one that's supposed to know this stuff. 
Now, this is not the same as telling somebody what their budget should be. Okay, I know that you can look at that room and figure that out in probably a few minutes and know. But if you tell them what that budget is, you're not getting the same piece as if you ask them what they're comfortable with paying. Okay, so there's actually a danger in in laying out budgets for people before you're hired. The danger is somebody will come in behind you and do the same thing and come in a thousand dollars less and they'll get the job. And we all know the whole job's going to be ten thousand more than that anyway. So you know you don't want to lose on something like that. So getting the clients to be comfortable with talking about what they're comfortable with paying for things is a huge benefit because it opens the door to the money conversation, not in a way of how much money and are you going to pay for this? And do you want, you know, you're not selling, you are selling actually, but in a very soft, professional, generous way, because you're helping them figure this piece out. So when you engage in this conversation and you start asking them what they're comfortable with paying for a sofa or a rug or a cocktail table, they're happy to tell you what they think stuff should cost. Happy to tell you. All you have to do is collect it. <laughs> you just manage the conversation running through all these things we're going to buy and collect the numbers that they're comfortable with. When you total it up, that's your budget. That's it. And it's not the budget you made. It's the budget they made. They told you how much. Okay. This is pretty, pretty important. In order to do this, you have to adopt the attitude of, of a trusted consultant, not a salesperson, not somebody who's anxious to sell, not somebody has anxiety about, you know, will they buy this or not? Totally let that go and just be the trusted consultant where you don't put out any opinions. You don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't advise, you don't, say this is wrong, you don't educate, you don't say you can't. Totally neutral. Make it safe. You're just collecting the numbers and helping them figure out what would be a good price for that, what would be a good price for this, that, this, that, right? When you total it all up, you've got a budget for the job, okay? And it's crafted by them, it's approved by them, and you just eliminated the fainting over the price piece, okay? It's now gone. We all We all have this number here in front of us. Right. So it beyond that, beyond just the budget, you actually have the scope too. You actually have run through all the things that you would do in this space and put numbers to them and totaled it up and there you go. All right. So now you have scope and budget, which is what you need in order to be able to take on this job and do it professionally, do it quickly and do it profitably. This is how you get paid what you're worth. Okay. It's this piece, right? It's right, right in here about being able to get down to that particular piece. Okay. Now I teach this whole budget on the fly thing and how this all works at the summit. Design Biz Summit in November every year. So if you've never been to one of those, you may want to check it out. We've got one of those coming up. So, so just got a little heads up about that. If you want to learn this, this is the time. Okay. Now, an interesting thing about all of this is that budget that they create, it will actually be higher than what you would have, would have laid out for them or guessed that they would spend inevitably. Okay. And what that does is create a, a bonus for you. It increases your income. Okay. It gives you this automatic raise where your $30,000 living rooms are now $45,000. How about that? Who would have thought? You know, <laughs> and, and, and it's because they're doing it, not you. So it's this really easy way to, to raise your income by just tuning in to what these people actually want. 
okay? And yeah, you can get somebody whose numbers are ridiculous and you, and you know, it's all Wayfair stuff. Well, you can tell them right then and there that, that there's probably no room for me in this job. And you know, you guys go ahead and do it. It's going to be great. It's going to be beautiful, but you know, this one's not for me. Okay. It's, it's, Perfectly graceful, easy, easy to step out. For the most part, you're going to get budgets that are bigger than what you thought. And then you've, you know, you've got more to work with and you know, it's exactly what you need, you know, and that, that automatic raise piece, you know, that's the beginning of getting paid what you're worth. Okay. That's starting to make it happen. This is, this is not like you flip over and suddenly you're, you know, <laughs> making six times as much. It's in layers that you're adding. You're going to step into it in, in baby steps, you know, this way and this way and this way and step up into it. The next interesting thing is that you can accurately call out your fee based on a percentage of the budget. Okay. Accurately and confidently, because there's a mathematical equation that will balance that out. It's about 15% of that budget. They will happily say yes to. It makes perfect sense with the amount of money and it's enough money for you to get done what needs to happen. Okay. It's easy. It's accurate. And you know what? Clients say yes to it really easily, really, really easily. Now I teach this system. And, you know, the luxury mindset that goes with it, um, once a year in the Design Biz Summit. It's called How to Get a $36,000 plus <laughs> design fee without breaking a sweat with grace and confidence and no problem. I teach this once a year. It, it originally was for my IDBA student designers. We do this once a year piece and invite all of you in if you'd like to join us, um, and, and learn this particular piece. I think everybody ought to be able to do this because it allows you in a, in a furniture job situation to go in and actually establish a budget in the very first appointment, which creates a deliverable that's quite valuable for a paid first appointment, by the way. Okay. And tells you the scope and, and budget of the job so you can call out a fee. Many, many of our designers walk out with a check for the job on the first appointment. Okay. Not going back, not writing the letter of agreement yet. Just, just call out the fee and ask for the check and people give it to them. <laughs> and it happens over and over and over again. Okay. So if you want to learn more about how to have a highly focused, thriving, professional design business, you might want to check it out. Go to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com. And until then, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Interior Design Business Podcast. If you love what you're hearing each week, let me know by leaving a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on clear, proven, repeatable, step-by-step -step recipes for attracting ideal luxury clients I share in each episode. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. Till next week, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. <laughs>